I'm Mike. I'm Austin. We are the Test Drivers. And we put tech through its paces. Hey Austin, have you heard about the global supply chain? Uh, I lost it. Where, where did it go again? <laughs> Everyone's lost it. Everyone's lost it. Global supply chain, man. That is, that's the phrase of the season. It's the reason Ooh. for the season. Oh, man. Have you gotten your gifts for the various people in your life locked in? Because I'm stressing hard <sighs> on trying to get stuff in over the next month and a half right now. So we're also getting ready to do some traveling. So we actually started a little bit early. Um, we kind of have decided we're going pretty heavy on gift cards for this mm. this Christmas. Good idea. Um, and that's just because of like the age of a lot of the people that we're buying for. Like I have yeah. some relatives who are in their teenage years and say, like, I don't know what to get you. Like, uh, <laughs> So we're just going to go gift cards, I think, mostly. And outside of that, the things that we are buying, there isn't really a lot of tech-focused gifts mm-hmm. um, for the actual gifts that we're buying. So I feel pretty okay. Uh, but hey, if it, all kinds of weird stuff is currently unavailable. Yes, yes. I've gotten caught out a couple of times. Um, and it seems like we're not the only ones. Uh, I heard this thing called like, uh, there's a bunch of containers that are in a bunch of like shipyards. and well, That's been a thing seeing... for ages. Like the, the <sighs> things just are sitting on boats somewhere mm-hmm. or the, the biggest issue is parts. This is one of the things we're going to talk about today because there were two games consoles that was supposed to be, they, they couldn't be more different from each other, uh, that, that was supposed to be <laughs> released before the end of the year. Uh, first is the Steam Deck. The Steam Deck uh, by Valve has been delayed now. It's supposed to start shipping in December. Um, it will now start shipping in February of 2022 is when the shipping will begin. Um, and it was, you know, th- it was the same as it was before. Depending on how uh, early you ordered would depend on when you would start getting them, you know, like the first come, first serve kind of thing. Uh, so they're going to start shipping th- from February of 2022. That's what they're currently saying. Um, this is, I feel like with a lot of video game stuff, we're kind of in that mode now where it's like, this is the current date. Yep. <laughs> yeah, this yep. is what they currently think. Uh, we'll see, I guess, depend like when it if when it will actually ship. Um, but do you have any real thoughts about about this one? I mean, two. I mean, first of all, I feel for everyone in the industry. I mean, I, it's this is not a problem that's like, oh, if only they would have fought ahead or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, I mean, everyone's kind of in the same uh, boat, so to speak, on this one. Um, ah, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I love the fact that if you go to order a Steam Deck right now, uh-huh. um, previously it would say like, you know, like Q1, Q2. It just says expected order availability after Q2 2022. They're not even giving you an idea. Like, it will Oof. be at some point next year, maybe, possibly. Uh, but, you know, I feel for them, right? Because like, the Steam Deck especially feels like one of those products that was, uh, it's different for, for Valve. You know, it's not something they've done in the past. And it seemed like at the beginning they had fairly limited availability. You know, that first wave of pre-orders went really quick and the, the times really extended very, very quickly. And so I kind of get the idea that, they have a lot of these things on order. It seems like it's going to be very successful. But because of that, I'm sure you know, as someone who runs a very successful merchandise-based physical goods business, yep. it's hard to forecast and hard to get the stuff. It's impossible to forecast when you're starting out new. Yep. Trying to understand a month of a product that has never existed before, 
is an impossible job. Like, and everybody that does it for a living, it's all just educated guesses. And the yeah. more experience you have, the better. But so you, you know, I'm sure that Valve and we're going to talk about um, play, Panic with the Playdate. I think both of these are examples of they thought they were going to do well and they ended up doing way better than they thought. And then it's just causing all kinds of new issues. The yeah. thing that is intriguing to me with the Steam Deck is I think they're going to start bumping into the problem that I always thought that they would have and it's only going to get worse, which is that the types of games that will be played on this system will only become more demanding, right? Mm-hmm. As time goes on. And the hardware that they have, it's going to get old quickly, I feel like. And the longer and longer <sighs> it takes to fulfill these orders, yeah, the harder... I don't know. Like, Basically, it's, this is weird because we're at a time where PC gaming is accelerating like the hardware that is available is accelerating at a rapid pace right now it's kind of an incredible time in the industry and so i just like i I fear for them that like there could be people that made this order and they get it after a year yeah and when is valve (sighs) when was valve planning on updating it you know what i mean like were they gonna have a new version 18 months later I don't, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's just a tricky thing. There's nothing they can do, right? Like, there's nothing yeah. they can do about this. And it, this isn't me trying to be like, "Ooh, you're gonna hate your Steam Deck," because <laughs> I'm sure that they've done a decent job of like specking it out to be as powerful as it can be. Like, a lot of that stuff is still in the air because people don't have these things yet. Um, but yeah, I just I just find that they're they're hitting into an interesting challenge where the longer it takes them to get these things in people's hands, the worse their experience could be in the long term. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, on the other hand, though, I do feel for them because, I mean, Valve is a very successful company, Mm -hmm. but Valve also can't, you know, especially having no idea what the orders were going to be. They couldn't have ordered 50 million of these things, right? Like they would have been bankrupt if they didn't sell them out, right? So like it makes sense that they had to be, yeah, yeah, somewhat conservative on how many they ordered. Obviously, that does seem like they pretty severely underestimated how popular it would be, but you never know with these things, right? And it's a very expensive mistake if you order a million of these things and they go on fire sale six months later. So I I feel for them. I am excited for the Steam Deck. Did you order one? I don't remember. I did, but very late. So okay. everyone in the office started trying to like get them on the day one. I forget what was going on. I actually didn't order one until a few days later. So I think mine was in like the Q1 or Q2 wave, which now is the eventual maybe I'll get it next year kind of wave. Um, but with these things, I feel like we usually to, to get one for a video, we'll try to like track one down if we can find one like early or if someone has one uh, up for sale on eBay or whatever. We usually try to track one down just so we can make a, a video on early so I don't stress too much on so it maybe one falls off the back of a truck a couple of days before uh, release no, date i would never never, never happened that has never, never ever. happened ever i wouldn't open it up i wouldn't do any kind of thermal testing nope. on it like that's not my hey my what thing. do you think the fans are like <laughs> uh, functional very functional would be my guess <laughs> oh man what are, how big are the fans in the steam deck yeah, for, for reasons that i probably will get into later on in the episode i'm actually kind of regretting not putting an order in now oh yeah yeah i mean i kind of <sighs> wish i had and now it's like honestly now it's, it feels pointless to me honestly to put yep. an order in now like it, yeah uh, I'm kind of thinking like maybe I'll just wait for Steam Deck 2 or what like it, you know like it just feels like at this point like I don't want to uh, throw like $500 <laughs> down and it's like coming 
in the future. <laughs> it's like, no, I'll wait. I'll wait now. It's not going to make help me out. To be fair, we are talking about Valve. So you could be waiting quite a while for mm -hmm. a sequel, my friend. So I'm uh, hey, on that one. You're, you're on fire today. Look at you. <laughs> I don't even have my coffee. The Playdate, the wonderful little yellow handheld console, um, which has been long in development by uh, Panic, has also suffered a delay. Their delay is really interesting and weird, and I hope that they tell this story in more detail one day. So they had 5,000 of them shipped to their California factory, or like their distribution house, where they were going to open them up, do quality control, repackage them, and send them out from there. And they found out that a vast amount of them, the battery life was not holding. So the battery life was really poor on the devices. Uh, and, the, you know, and they didn't know what was going on. They had chosen a battery they were really happy with. And it just seemed like somewhere along the way, they got a lot of dud batteries or something. So they have now had to ship all of these 5,000 back to their factory in Malaysia to get a new type of battery. They found a brand new battery supply that they think is going to be better for them. So they had all of these uh, devices made. Now they've had to go back, be opened up again, batteries replaced... Oof sent Oof. back so these were supposed to be shipped out by the end of the year they're now saying they'll be shipped out early next year because they got the batteries this is just a case of now moving them replacing them bringing them oh back god again. Oh then they have god. a second issue so they made those 5000 but now they cannot get cpus because global chip shortages for their the rest of the many, 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 many thousands that they need to make of these things just to fulfill the orders that they have, um, which is like, I think they, they kind of made reference to they have like 50,000 more to make just to fulfill the orders that they've currently had, which I feel so oh, pleased boy. for them, by the way, though, that like they sold that well. I think it's super cool that they've been able to like, there's so many, it's so many for a device like this. Um so they were told by their supplier that they would not be able to get any more chips for two years. Ugh. Two years after those 5,000. So they have now found a new CPU, which is more widely available, that will work for their system. But they've had to also redesign their logic board to work with it. I think for them, they're kind of lucky, really. And, and you may say, Mike, how can you be lucky? Yeah, that's... <laughs> because the type of device they are building, I'm sure is not very CPU intensive. So there True. could be lots of options available to them. Now, imagine, going back to talking about Steam Deck, imagine this is Steam Deck, right? Mm. Imagine, in, is it Intel? They run Intel or AMD? Uh, they've got an AMD APU in that. So imagine AMD say, oh, sorry, Valve, we actually can't get you any more chips for two years they would be <laughs> screwed right because they need yeah. that power yeah where panic it because it's like it's a it's a simple device really you know like mm -hmm. you know it doesn't have backlight it's the, the games aren't they're like they're fun mobile games like they're fun game boyish games right like in what you know it's like a black and white screen and all that kind of stuff and they're doing fun things with it but I could, it's not going to be incredibly intensive on a CPU, so they surely have more options available to them, which has allowed for them to 
kind of change up. So, yeah, it's wild. So now they are shipping throughout 2022 now. But they <sighs> they are happy that uh, up to 50,000, they're going to, sh- they're planning to ship 50,000 this year. And then, I mean, it's, they've clearly they've sold more than 50,000 because then they're saying if your number's from 50,000 onwards, uh, it'll be 2023. Man, I... That's tough because I mean it's it's one thing to be Valve, right? Uh-huh. And you know your yes. endless Steam money printing machine, whatever. It's fine. And also, you know, you have clout; you can lean on people. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I mean, it's you definitely get more eyebrows uh, raised when you're putting an order in for millions instead of you know five thousand or ten thousand at a time. Yeah. Uh, but man, like, just I just imagine the feeling of like you get that first batch of five thousand. You're so excited. And you realize the batteries are screwed, and you have to ship that whole pallet back mm-hmm. to have the batteries replaced to get back. And then you have CPUs, but man, look, physical stuff is hard. What I will say though, I think they are very lucky that they found this before. True, true. Yeah, right? silver oh linings, right? If they had these issues, they were rushing to get them out and maybe didn't do enough quality control. It would be so much worse if these things started dying on people in their hands. Yep. The, the, the logistics of managing that would be horrific. Like yeah. You would have to just send new units. There'd be no other way around it. Oh, my God. Uh, what is the playdate? What's the MSRP on a playdate? It's like a hundred and something. It's not expensive. Yeah, they're not making money on that. There's no way. There's if, no way. If they were to do the ship back. 179. Yep. 179. Yeah, you would have to just replace them. There's there would yeah. be no way to to deal with it. Like I don't know what the the, the case is for the five thousand. My hope is that some of the costs for, will be recouped by the poor supply that they've received. You know, like maybe. I expect, yeah. I mean, I'm expecting they're not going to pay for the bad batteries. I hope not. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, I think that they are currently in a pretty good situation. I would expect, like financially, with with this product. They, they, they are surely not losing money on it at this point just because of how successful it's been. You know, you, you make True. the more you sell, the more money you can make because you can bring your margins down. Um, this has been nothing but a great success for them, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I have so much empathy for everyone who's dealing with this stuff because it's just, yep. physical stuff is hard. It's horrifically difficult. Like, we can make a podcast or a video and it's simple, and we don't have to worry about the podcast getting stuck on a cargo container in the port of LA, or a video that uh, the 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 internet tubes yep. get jammed up or something. I mean, I will say that I published an episode of one of my shows, Cortex, yesterday, and for some reason, it hasn't shown up on Spotify, and people keep asking me where it is. So, like, Ooh. there are some tubes when it comes to Uh-oh. podcast production, but it's. Like at least it's the show is available and it's not my pro- this is not my uh, what is the phrase like it's not my fault but it is my problem you know like yeah. that's kind of where I am with that but at least it's not like all right I have to return the show now and I'm gonna lose <laughs> all my money from the show uh, like it's you know this is a very different thing I mean like the stuff we were referring to my the my, the main things that I make uh, is paper products like I make journals and stuff um, with mm-hmm. the company that me and CGB Gray on and that is hard enough. Like I'm dealing with paper shortages. Like I've been dealing like everything. Everything oh. is short now. Everything is absolutely wild. It really is kind of, it's kind of an incredible thing, really, because this is the knock-on effect of coronavirus, but it's happening yeah. so much later than everybody expected. Um, like the supply chain kind of held up for yeah. all of 2020, but now is the problem. It's really weird. Yeah, I, 
it's just these huge time scales, right? Where it's like, what is it? The the butterfly effect of just <laughs> one thing and it just all expands out. Well, uh, I'm just gonna keep making videos and podcasts. You keep making and, videos, uh, yeah. Hopefully the the if 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 I have a problem, I'll just like blow on my Ethernet cable and try again. I'm sure it'll be fine. This episode of the Test Drivers is brought to you by our friends over at Hover. When you have that one big idea, where do you go first? Well, your business starts with a domain name. For many entrepreneurs, Hover is that first step. It's that big leap. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions for you to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it, and they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. Hover are dedicated to getting you online and not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy. This is so people that you don't want to have your information won't get it. Many other domain name registrars, they do not give you who is privacy. They make you pay for it. If they if you don't have it, it means that someone can look up all of your private information, your name, your address, your contact information. Who is privacy is really important and Hover give you it as part of the whole package. They have really great user experience. So when you're using Hover, it's so simple to set up forwards, set up all of the stuff that you may need to hook it to email. They also have this system where they work with a bunch of companies where in just a few clicks you can tie it all together because domain name management stuff can be a real pain. They also have monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's so easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. I have been using Hover for years. Uh, They are one of RelayFM's longest-running sponsors, but that is because I have been using them for a very, very long time and really wanted to work with them. Um, And I have so many domains of Hover and I wouldn't go anywhere else. It makes it so simple and so easy to use. It's like I know that, you know, listeners of this show are going to enjoy like experiences, things that just work. And that's what Hover's all about. Buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com slash test drivers and get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That is hover.com slash test drivers. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Mike, mm-hmm. I was scrolling through Twitter as I uh, am tend to to do from time yeah. to time, and I saw you had some problems with a certain Apple device. Can you share your very fun and simple experience with the listeners? Because it seemed like you were having a great time, like a really, really great time. So good. My iPhone is scratched up like you would not believe, and I promise you. I have no idea how this happened. People do not, for some reason, there are people online that do not believe me. Like they think that I destroyed my phone. Like, no, I have no idea. I put a link in the show notes to a tweet that I posted. It has some images. Uh, I just, one day I was at home and I just took my phone out of my pocket and I looked at it and I was like, what the hell has happened? (laughs) Right? It wasn't like I dropped it and picked it up. Like I just took it out of my pocket and the entire front of my phone is scratched to kingdom come. It's got a bunch of scratches on one corner, a bunch of scratches on another corner, and then a couple that go all the way down the 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 front of the screen i have apple care plus i took it to the apple store and they said they would not replace it because it was scratches and not cracks <sighs> i'm pretty upset about this i said i'm not gonna lie uh i'm <laughs> i my plan is to deal with this but i've had a real busy couple of weeks so like mm-hmm. I, i'm going to at some point soon arrange another um trip to the apple store i've been reading through the apple care plus terms and conditions i'm going to make my case because Ooh. I feel like from a functional level, a crack and a scratch are not that different. 
and this was this is the case that I'm going to be making to AppleCare, uh, to the Genius Bar, and say like, look, I pay AppleCare, just give me one of the service replacements. And so many people contacted me and said, just break the phone and take it in. I've had this happen. Just break the phone. And like, I feel like I shouldn't have to do this. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, that's fair. I mean, have you just tried walking in and say, do you know who I am? I bet Ugh. that would work. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine it. I just imagine have it. You, all right, just, so I'm going to ask you now. Have you ever done that? Absolutely not. Be honest with me. You've never done that? Not once. You don't like walk work. into the micro center and tip over something and say like, don't you know who I am? I want to know then. I run this town. It you would not work. It, it would not work for me. It I don't could have work the Mike Hurley I pole. I feel like, no, it would work. I feel like you could get, you could demand satisfaction uh, <laughs> and get more of a result than me. Well, I, you can put it to the test. I, I would be highly excited. I'll go with the, to the Apple store with you if it helps. I just want to see this in person. <laughs> I should just walk in. Excuse me. Don't you know who I am? Tim Apple sent me. I'm Mike Hurley. Fix my phone at once. I will, like, this is a safe space here, all right? I will say there was a moment where I thought to myself, like, (laughs) I have had conversations with, like, people who are 17 levels above you inside of your company, you know? Like, (laughs) oh, it was so annoying. And I didn't do anything like that. And it, because I would get too embarrassed to do something like that, honestly. Like, I do hope that, like, I could go into a store and someone would recognize me. But also at the same time, I don't feel like I should have to play that card. Like, I feel yeah. like the situation that I am in, I pay for AppleCare Plus. If the phone was bro- cracked, they would replace it. But there's scratches, so they won't. And I don't really understand why we have to go round and around through the stupid chain of events, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. So I this is something that I will deal with at some point because, like, I use my phone in dark mode, right? And if I'm oh, using apps yeah. that are dark, any light that hits that phone, all I can see are these scratches across like a quarter of the display. So, but hey, maybe if I just wait long enough, I can buy the parts and do it myself. Hey, segue. Hey, so, okay, okay, okay. Before before we completely move over to you ripping your iPhone apart and fixing it with an iPhone 3GS screen or something, I do have to ask, so you paid for Apple Care Plus. Yeah. And they said that it's not supported. So how much do you spend on Apple Care Plus? Do you remember? Oh, uh, it, it was like 200 and something pounds. It was, <sighs> it's expensive for so iPhone. Then, so when you asked for the repair, they said no. Yeah. They then told you, they, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming they quoted you on a price for a new screen outright, yes. or did you get a discount, or how much was a new screen if you pay outright in addition to your Apple Care Plus? I don't know if the price they gave me was because of Apple Care, but they told me it would cost three hundred pounds. <laughs> so I am <laughs> done with Apple Care now. Oh, I will not be buying Apple Care anymore because I have bought yep. Apple Care on every iPhone that I've yep. ever owned, and I've never used it. So I am like hundreds, yep. or if not thousands of pounds over the last 10 years in the hole on this, right? And Because and, I've never broken a phone before and I've never <sighs> felt the need to do anything before like this. Mm-hmm. So now uh, going forward, I will not be buying AppleCare and I will just pay <laughs> outright for these things and or genuinely because of what they're doing now, buy the parts and fix it myself. 
Okay, okay, okay. So this would actually be legitimately a real option because so yep. the way that this self-service repair, at least we don't know because it's not out yet. It's coming out, I believe it's early next year. But in the, the US, idea would be beginning early next year, rolling out throughout the rest of the year. So the idea would be if you have a modern iPhone, iPhone 12, iPhone 13, they're going to be bringing this out for, yeah, for, I guess they say M1 Max. I'm assuming that's all M1 class Max, but. I'm assuming it like starts with, you know, honestly, I don't know about the first ones, like the MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air, um, but it's going to start with some kind of M1 Max. So the idea would be. Uh, Mike, you, you know, you're walking down the street and you go, oh no, I scratched my iPhone screen. You would be able to just go on to either the Apple Store app or site or whatever portal they set up. Say, you know what? I want to order one more iPhone 13 Pro Max screen, please. They ship it directly to your door and they also give you, I guess, access to manuals or instructions or kind of a guide. You get a repair guide and they also have tools that you'll be able to buy. And I'm wondering, my expectation is you can buy like a kit, like iFixit mm-hmm. have. Like if you want to yeah. replace a battery, iFixit give you a kit, which has like the battery and all the tools you need to replace the battery. And I expect Apple will have somewhat a similar affair. You can be like, all right, I broke my iPhone screen. Uh, what do I need? And then they give you everything that you need for that. Or And or you can just go in and buy all of the, I think it's like at least they're starting with 200 individual parts and tools, which I just think is so freaking cool, man. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I mean, obviously, this is a niche part of the market. Most yep. people are not going to have the skill required to pull this out. And honestly, I know for me, like, I feel like I'm relatively confident with a lot of, you know, technical repairs and stuff. I would think twice before replacing a screen on an iPhone just because I know... Oh, it sounds like it would be incredibly hard, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm intrigued to see the manuals because I'm like, how do you get the screen off? Because everyone that I ever see that takes these things apart have heat guns. Are they going to mm-hmm. sell me a heat gun? Like, how do I get the screen off? Yeah, because it's just so much adhesive. And also, yep. I just wonder about sort of because of the waterproofing that's inside these devices. I know for a lot of third-party repairs, you don't necessarily get that same level. And I wonder if you get an actual Apple certified, you know, screen replacement and whatnot. Does it come with all the gaskets or whatever you need? I, I probably, I would assume if it's something that they're allowing you to purchase. But also what happens to like warranty and stuff. I'm still curious about a lot of that. My feeling is you 100% void your warranty if you do a self-service repair. Like, they haven't said that, but I can't imagine how... Like, like I'm also intrigued to see, like, if you did a self-service repair and screwed it up, could you get it replaced on AppleCare if you had AppleCare? Like, these are the things we don't know yet. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Apple hasn't completely worked it out yet, but they just wanted to put this information out there. Um, because there's a lot of questions like that and they're just like, hey, we'll tell you later. You know, it's like, all right, fine. Because uh, they are clearly getting out ahead of the right to repair legislations that seem to be popping up in, in the US and Europe. It seems like this yep. is becoming like a big thing. I want to ask you a question. Okay. Again, safe space. What do you think about right to repair? So we actually have a video that's coming out actually maybe by the time uh, the episode's live where I kind of discussed a little bit. It was a video that we'd already kind of mostly done and then mm-hmm. this news dropped this week so we kind of added a little segment to it. So I, I think it's a complicated subject. I mean, first and foremost, I think the idea that 
any manufacturer, whether it's on the car side, which this is also somewhat of an issue where, you know, companies will try to lock down like the ECUs and keep you from tuning and tweaking and modifying your vehicles as much as they can. Uh, or on the tech side, regardless, like if I purchase a anything, I should have the ability to work on it, tweak it, upgrade it, repair it myself. Now, if I screw it up, that's on me. But that being said, like, especially in the PC space, I mean, think about older, like even like older MacBooks, right? You go back to like the pre-retina days, you could replace everything on a MacBook in 30 minutes with minimal tools. It was very simple. And I fully get that as time goes on, and Apple's probably the number one company who's really done this, pushing for miniaturization, pushing for sort of consolidating motherboards, putting more and more chips on. And I get it. You know, if I have to give up my, you know, RAM slots to have soldered RAM to shrink things down, okay, I get it. That is the sort of slow progress that we all kind of sign up for. But on the flip side, if I am going to walk into an Apple store with my Apple Care Plus, they're going to tell me, no, you have to do it yourself. Then I have to go and down the street and buy a screen and put it in. And all of a sudden, my face ID decides not to work because Apple has deemed that that's the way that they want it to go. Like, man, this is, I think, a basic first step. I think that they really yeah. had to do this, right? I, I agree. Because as well, like I've seen some people say something I hadn't thought about because they have the Apple authorized service provider stuff, right? Where mm -hmm. you can go, like a, a store can sign up for this. This system would allow for any repair shop to buy tools and repair for oh. you too, right? In theory. Oh, now, they yeah. may have some terms and conditions that block that out, but in theory, I could set up my own store and buy 20 batteries a week and replace the batteries. And or you, it would take like, I was like, okay, come back in three days and it will be done because then I just go on Apple's website and buy the stuff and I'm experienced mm -hmm. and I can do it. Interesting. I did not think about that. I, I would kind of expect them to make it more limited, but who knows? Maybe, I mean, if they're just selling these things. If, they're just, just if they have them. a storefront and they're just selling them, they don't know who's buying them. Yeah, I do have a concern about the price, though, because um, third-party repairs have been around for a long time. You can go to the mall, and there's, like, a kiosk that'll do it. I would wager a guess that the price of having the genius do it at the Apple Store versus buying the parts, probably not going to be that different. Uh, I reckon you're right. Now, they have to account for some kind of labor cost, right? Sure. So it will be cheaper, I'm sure. But I don't think it's going to be that much cheaper. And I yeah. do think that there will be an element of this being a little bit of lip service from Apple, mm -hmm. right? Like, we offer this. And honestly, like, for me personally, I will say for my feeling on, on right to repair, this is enough for me. Yeah. Because I fall, I think, pretty down the middle on this. I believe if you buy something, it's yours. Yep. And you should be allowed to do whatever you want with it. And if that means you want to open it up and you want to replace some stuff, like go for it. And I think companies should allow for at least some of that stuff to be bought directly from them. Why not? I also want my devices to continue getting better in interesting ways, thinner, lighter, more advanced, right? And that tends to come with making things more difficult to manufacture by hand and to take apart by hand, right? Like the, so yeah. I kind of sit in the middle where I want basically for me what Apple is doing here, right? Where I'm sure now that moving forward, they're going to start designing and continue designing things with this idea in mind, 
that they will need to ensure whatever they design can also fit with the self-service repair program. Right. Yeah. And we've already seen it somewhat with the new MacBooks, right? The batteries yeah. now have pull tabs instead of just piles of It seems of glue. like, I would be, honestly, I reckon that's the first product that was designed knowing that this program would exist. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, yeah. like, you know, they are going down, so, like, go down that, go back down both roads, right? I don't think, honestly, I'm just going to say, like, I don't think that they need to go to the level of allowing me to replace the CPU on the motherboard. Because yeah. at that point, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's too far, right? Like honestly, like it's too far, because that's so so few users have the ability to do that. But at the same yeah. time, they need to continue pushing down the the route, which they're also committing to here, of more third party repair options and stores, and, and like more people in their program, and make that easier. So like that for me, honestly, is is like the is a pretty. Um, I think this is a fine compromise, I'll say. Yeah, it seems reasonable. The one thing that I would be curious about as far as an expansion, like, again, you know, like, some people are complaining that you can only really get, you know, like, screens and batteries and cameras. But I would argue, yeah, you're right. Very few things Who's outside of that. Who's replacing anything other than that? Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Gonna, uh, that will get, like, 80% of the, po- like the, re- the things that people would want to do. Like, people that would want to do this, like, would want mm-hmm. the self-service repair... Battery screens and cameras is probably like three quarters to 80% of the things that need to be changed. What else do you need to change? The back glass on the phones would probably be one of the big ones that I would think, which I don't think that might be available. I don't, they haven't said it, but uh, you know, I could imagine them doing that. That might be tricky with the wireless charging cables and stuff, but I hope that they would, if they didn't do that this time, that they would try to do that in the future. I know that like from the 11 to the 12 to the 13, it has become cheaper and cheaper over time to replace the back glass. So they, Apple are Mm -hmm. aware of this is the problem. So they've clearly started to engineer it in a way that it is not so destructive like because for a while i think with the 10 and the 11 it was more expensive to replace the back glass than the screen which doesn't make any (laughs) logical sense right uh i saw like i feel like sometimes i don't know if yeah i think it was like the 10 or the 11 or something you would basically have to break the back glass to get it out like i saw like tiktoks and stuff of like machines that would literally just like break the back glass and you could like insert a new one in there which is Less than ideal. That's I, not I would, ideal I would at all. <laughs> so yeah, I think that this is like a good first step and I'm really intrigued to see where it's going to go. I'm pleased that they're doing it. I wonder what the, the, how the rest of the industry uh, answers to this. <sighs> to me, it feels Apple's like... Apple's not the first uh, company that I thought was yeah. going to do this. Well, yeah, but also I think Apple had pushed it so far in the other direction. I they're kind of coming back to the middle. I mean, uh, other companies sell you replacement parts. Other companies have PDFs. Like they probably don't have like quite the comprehensive, you know, kit with all the nice PDFs and stuff that you're probably going to get from Apple. But this is not really something that Apple's leading on, I, I don't think. I think this is more of a thing of they're just well, kind of coming back to the okay. middle. Okay, if you broke your uh, S20 screen... Mm-hmm. What do you? What's your option? Can, I mean, will Samsung sell you a screen to, to to as you as an individual? Maybe not Samsung. I know that there are a lot of third party displays and what that you can do. I think the difference would be, to my knowledge, 
Samsung doesn't really care if I use a third-party screen, whereas people are having a lot of issues Apple with like... Care. They actually changed yeah, that, you know? Yeah. They changed that. There was, uh, I think, iOS 15 or with the new phones, they were like locking out the phone and they've, yep. they've reversed yep. on that and they're not doing Which that anymore. Which is great. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the big things for me. That was it's stupid. Just like, that was stupid. Yeah, like if I'm going to go to like the mall kiosk or do it myself, don't remove functionality. Like obviously if I put a screen that doesn't work, then yeah, sure. But and like it doesn't. Well, that's my problem, right? Like it, it kind of annoys me sometimes when they're like, we're just trying to protect your security. It's like, look, no. get off my case, <laughs> man. Like what is going to happen to me? You know, like stuff like that is like, so if, if the experience is bad, well, that's my mistake. I understand mm -hmm. why it becomes, it, look, it then becomes a further support problem for them right like that's the issue yeah. that they have it's what they're trying this is probably really what they're trying to deal with you break your screen you go to the mall you get it replaced for 20 bucks and it sucks then you go to the apple store and say my screen doesn't work or my phone yeah. stopped working you know and then they have to yeah. then say well now we need to replace this whole thing and it's going to cost you five times as much or you know like all that kind of stuff or like now you're out of warranty because you went and did it yourself so it's going to be more expensive i understand why they do it but it's not it doesn't seem user friendly right so yeah. like, this is more user friendly. This thing exists. People can get re like actual good parts. They're going to be certified by Apple. You can put them in, or you can buy them and take them to a place. You know, like there's going to. This is a better way to do things, which is I think more fair to more people more of the time. I agree. I think it's a good first step. I will be curious to see if there are like sort of hidden issues or crazy prices. Like I, there's still ways that this could go wrong, but I think at least from what we've seen so far, props to them for doing the right thing that they kind of were forced to do anyway. <laughs> yep. Well, not yet. They were going to well, be. Soon. This is, you know, like a lot of people in, in my circles are I think quite rightly pointing out that like, they were happy to do this, but App Store, no, no way. We won't change the App Store. What are you, crazy? And it's just so funny that like they have these two things going on right now, and they have gotten so far out ahead on the right to repair. But the App Store, they will go to every single court on the planet so you don't take that money away from them. It's almost like they make billions of dollars on one and they don't care about the other. I think this Weird, genuinely right? shows, like, because there is a rhetoric of like Apple just want you to go to the Apple Store and buy a, a screen replacement from them, or like Apple know that if they uh, make the phones, uh, they, if they lock them down like this, you'll buy new ones. If all that was true, they would fight as hard on this as they mm -hmm. are on the App Store. That's my view on this, anyway. My opinion that like. I, Apple know how all this stuff works for them, right? And if you look at what they are doing right now when it comes to the App Store, they are literally going to every single court on the planet and trying to fight individually with all of these different governments so they do not have to change the in-app purchase stuff on the App Store, right? Yeah. But when it comes to the right to repair, they have just been like, okay, here you go. <laughs> and if they really were and like look iPhone sales are their biggest business if Apple believed that more broken iPhones meant more sales of iPhones they would fight this right to repair way harder than this you know what that actually is a very good point yeah because I think there's always this sort of 
belief, um, true or not. Now, obviously, there are things like, you know, the battery throttling issues in the past and stuff that kind of gives it a little bit of credence. But, you know, like Apple tries to, you know, nerf the performance after a couple of years. They send software updates to slow the phones down, blah, 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 blah. And like, I've never really bought into that too much. But honestly, I think your argument there is probably the best I've ever heard for why Apple doesn't really care. Like, use your phone. They give you a million years of iOS updates anyway, right? Like, I mm-hmm. that, that that is a very, very good point on why they don't really care about your older devices. Like, here, here's a brand new shiny one. You can upgrade when you're ready, which is the absolutely right way to do it. They know people are going to upgrade their iPhone. They don't need you mm-hmm. to do it every year. They sell yeah. so many of them. Do it every three years. They get on a pattern and it's fine for them. And like I, I genuinely feel like that like there's also like the planned obsolescence thing, which people think is a thing, right? Yeah. There is absolutely zero reason for them to do that because it makes using the phone worse. If you really did that, people were going to be less likely to buy a new iPhone over the long term. Because you'll get more and more upset about your iPhone. And I understand, yeah. like it because it does feel like that sometimes. But this is just the same as that other like uh uh urban legend in tech that like all of your devices are listening to you all the time and they show <laughs> show you ads based on what you've spoken about. It's not true. But yeah, it feels like it is sometimes. So who needs to listen to all of your conversations where you can just Track every single tap and swipe on your device inside. <laughs> yep. So simple. Yeah, like they see the stuff. They don't need to hear you. Exactly. It's right? better information. You give Google everything, <laughs> right? Every thought we have in our minds goes into Google. Right? Like I search for things on Google and don't remember I've done it. I'm convinced of this, right? Because you're just like, oh, what is this thing? You search for it and it's done. And or like, why do you think you want that product? Well, because Facebook is so smart at targeting you and advertising to you and it gets in your brain and you don't even know because you're scrolling through Instagram and you don't know it's an ad you're looking at. Then it gets in your head and then you start seeing it. And or there's that whole thing about like your environment, your experiences, people around you that you're with are talking and thinking and looking at a thing. And then because they're in your proximity, they're in your friend group, you also start getting ads. Like, for example, a good way to explain this. So I've been dabbling a little bit when we're talking about the journal sales with advertising on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And one of the options, like the simple options is people that are similar to your current followers. Like that's who you can target. And so they know, based on who you're following, that kind of stuff, the things you might already be interested in, and they can just serve that to you. So, like, for example, I have a friend of mine who also, like, two friends, they own their own business as well in in this kind of world. I'm getting ads for their products now because they're doing a similar thing of, like, target people who are like our follower list. And so, like, they have these incredible, like... um, they map it all out like what you like and what you're interested in and then they can serve you ads on that and so you might feel like oh they're listening to me but really they just really know what you want before you know it that's the problem (laughs) anyway way off track now i want to talk about the fact that you met sergio perez (laughs) (laughs) what a great segue no i don't care about segue i just want to talk about the fact that you met the hero that is sergio perez Oh, my God. So, yeah, this is something that sort of uh, we've been talking about for a little while as the whole thing yeah, has been kind of coming been on. freaking out about this for, I yeah. don't know, like a couple of months or something. Like, we'd yep. record an episode be like, what's happening with Sergio? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it's all finally done. So we did the trip. The video is live. 
Um, basically what happened was uh, we are very good friends over at Microsoft. They actually, they had Checo for a shoot, an ad shoot for Forza Horizon 5. And basically they're like, hey, we can give you like 30 minutes with them if you want to build a PC and present it to help promote Game Pass. So we basically spent a couple of weeks tracking down a actually pair of legitimate raced F1 wheels by Checo, right? So it's got the number 11, the Mexican flag and everything in it. Because uh, I think maybe. this, this, that started after like we were recording and we were talking about this afterwards. And me and you started talking and we found like F1 Authentics, which is like a, yep. a thing, but they didn't have any wheels. And then like a couple of days later, you're like, I found them on eBay. It's like, oh my God, he did it. <laughs> look, uh, look, okay. An F1 wheel is perfect for a PC because it is sort of, it's only like 13 inches around, but it's very wide because the tires and the wheels are so wide on mm. modern Formula One cars. So essentially what we did was we sort of flipped the wheel upside down, built and 3D printed a bunch of uh, parts and whatnot to kind of help it fit, but built the PC in the back half of the wheel. So from the front, it looks like a fairly standard F1 wheel. We added like some RGB and whatnot but if you flip it around to the back all the pc components are crammed in like the seven inch space between where the back of the the i guess the, the wheel nut kind of attaches and the actual rim and uh it was fun honestly not only of course the 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 experience with Checo, which you know was was very 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 cool but also just the pc build like it was a very different experience being able to play with the real f1 stuff uh the fact that I ordered two wheels because it came in a set, and one might be uh, <clears throat> in Where the office the right now. One? Where is it? Uh, seven feet away from me. I'm staring at it right now. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, let's stay around. A little, a little souvenir. Look, it came as a set. I had to buy both, right? Where else are you going to get Sergio Perez race wheels? Um, but yeah, it, dude, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Um, Jared is a wizard. Yes. <laughs> Jared had so like Jared is a fairly new hire here on the on the staff and you know his first like week he's like hey this is really expensive but I have an idea there's this 3D printer that you can swap the heads out to also do CNC as well as laser he's like look it's a lot of money he's like but I haven't done this stuff since high school but I really want to kind of get into it and I knew that we had some of these builds. I don't think we knew about the Checo build yet, but I knew we had like some of these big elaborate PC builds that were coming up. You've been doing some interesting build stuff recently, like for sure, which I love. I, I really love that when, when you guys do that stuff. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've got, and that's, we've got more projects. In fact, uh, Monday we're shooting another very large uh, build and, and, and project kind of similar to the Checo thing. But yeah, so he's like, hey, I want to buy this thing. I'm like, okay, well... Hopefully you use it. And man, that thing has been running like 24-7 for like two months now. Just constantly printing stuff and lasering stuff and CNC cutting. And it's been great. But dude, it was it was so stressful, right? Because we had 30 minutes with yep. Checo. He's there on a, you know, an actual commercial shoot, right? So we're just kind of like basically stealing him what what with what I guess would have been like his lunch break. So this is a shoot in Guadalajara, Mexico. I saw a video on his Instagram where he's promoting something. I don't know what it was, but uh, in the same room. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Did you yeah. see that? Exactly. So, like, after yep. you guys left, they probably kept him. It was like, right, okay, check out, read these 12 scripts. <laughs> you know? Dude, like, 100% oh, man. That, that kind of stuff seems so tricky for, for, like, they just run them through the ringer, right, for a day. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, so this was the thing. Is, so we were shooting in Guadalajara, Mexico, which is his hometown. 
And man, he is the hero. You show up at the airport, you've got like posters for him. This was right before the Mexican Grand Prix. So he was home for like a week or two. I'm sure catching up with every sponsor and doing mm-hmm. all the engagements and stuff. A super busy guy, right? Every show. I'm sure he was on like every talk show, you know, yep. the whole thing. Exactly, exactly. So look, we've got a very limited amount of time and we're 3D printing all this stuff, right? So not only do we have to make sure the PC is working and that we've got everything kind of up and running, we have to then tear it down, pack it up, fly to Mexico with it. Uh, I, I was telling this story earlier to you, but uh, to the listeners, we had some issues, some minor issues going through customs. Uh, Ken and I don't really speak Spanish very well. And they were very curious about what we were bringing. And uh, <laughs> we tried to explain to them, like, it's a PC. And they're, like, they're looking at like a wheel. And they're like, what? And then <laughs> Ken got pulled aside because they thought he was smuggling money into the country. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> they just kept asking, like, do you have more than 10,000? And he's like, no. To I'm be like, fair, but- <laughs> like, to, you guys look super sus, right? <laughs> like, we've got a cardboard box. It's got a wheel in it. And we've got a bunch of PC parts. Like, that is, like, a very strange situation that the two of you are in at that point, I think. It was it was fine. We, look, it honestly, it took like ten minutes, and they're like, "Have fun!" And then like we left. Like it was fine. It was not a big deal. But there was definitely a few minutes there where we were like, "Are we gonna get this PC in? Like we've got Checo. Like we gotta meet him like tomorrow afternoon. We've gotta get this thing in." But thankfully, it all went smooth. We got back to the hotel. We put the whole thing together. Took like a two hour car ride out to the shoot the next day. Like out in the middle of like absolute nowhere. Like this is like it's beautiful. This is, like, a, yeah, it's like an air sports park where they do like hang gliding and all kinds of stuff. And uh, yeah, man, it was it was so stressful. But man, Checo, surprise, surprise, such a nice guy. He he seemed like a genuinely nice and warm person. And I think the thing that I loved, I mean, I loved the video because it's like you were emotional. It made me emotional. Like I can, I can tell Aww. why too. Like it's like we've explained on the show. We are massive F one fans. Yeah. And yeah. Just meeting any F1 driver would be amazing. But Checo seems like, you know, he's had such a cool story. But, mm-hmm. like, the whole thing, like, he just was, like, so... He just seemed like a nice guy. And it was really great to watch him, like... It slowly dawned on him what you'd done. Because <laughs> I think at first, he thought you just got a wheel yep. and put a flag on it. Right? Yeah. He's like, oh, it's got my number on it. And like, you have to, no, 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 this is your wheel. Like, that, it, I don't know, there was something kind of great about that because he was like, oh, you dented it. And he's like, no, I didn't. You did. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part. Well, that and when he tried to pick up and walk out of it and you had to like <laughs> wrestle it out of his hands. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. So like, he immediately, like, I was kind of hoping that he wouldn't realize that it was crashed so the wheels we got basically he had kind of slid into a tire barrier on his left side so basically his front rim was pretty damaged but his rear was only like kind of flat spotted a little bit it was actually in pretty good shape so i was kind of hoping like you know we built like some like little 3d printed like legs for it i was like oh maybe he won't notice it's a little bit flat on the bottom he immediately went straight to it go oh you you bent it like this i was like uh, uh, no, 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 <laughs> it was a me. collab. You collabed with Sergio. <laughs> he bent it for you. Oh my god, but dude, it was it was so good. Like he uh, obviously is a very busy guy. Although you know, I'll say something about uh, about Checo. 
So he was there on set for like, I don't know, like four or five hours. And, you know, like I said, he's like driving around, like doing stunts, doing like donuts. And, you know, obviously he's like doing all these cool walking shots and slow motion, you know, the whole cool commercial, which I actually don't think is out yet, but is coming soon. It's I, a Forza I commercial, is it? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a commercial for Forza. I think they've already announced some of it. I haven't seen any of the footage, but just from being on set, it looks really yep. cool. He was there, like I said, four, maybe five hours. Every second that he was not actively shooting or like on a phone call or whatever, he was signing stuff for the crew. Like, I don't think anyone who was on that set walked away with less than like a shirt or a hat or something. Like everyone was just, he was so nice. Constantly just, you know, talking with people, signing like hats and merch and everything like that. Like incredibly nice. Incredibly nice. That's so cool. Dude, it was the moment, and you can see it on camera, because, like, literally the moment we step out of the trailer, just looking around, just, like, the weight had been lifted. The PC worked. He yeah. liked it. He took it. Like, he literally took it straight with him on the helicopter back home. I was just like, Did yes. you see him take it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so my he God, tried to dude. That's so freaking great. <laughs> I mean, like, that he had, because I know this was a thing we were talking about, right? Like, mm-hmm. he might just not care. Right. Yes. Like, yes. Because it's like, and 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 look, because he must get so much crap all the time, right? Like, yes. Hey, take this. Hey, here's this thing. Like, people in that world, they get free things constantly, right? Like, mm-hmm. because it's a lot of brands want you to have a thing, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, right? Like, and or like people make stuff for him. It must be constant. And I just, when he said, like, this is one of the best gifts I've ever gotten, mm-hmm. it was kind of like you didn't have to say that. Right, like he Aww. really didn't have to say that. Right, like he could have just said, like this is so cool, and like oh, man, I was just I was so happy for you because like I know how much work and effort everybody put into that, and like yeah. to get that kind of response is just it was kind of it was way outside of anything I think anybody could have imagined. It was so great. I was so happy that just that moment of just ah, oh, I I I I'm gonna live with that for a long time. It just oh. was so rewarding. I, Plus, I love how the video came out too. Like, because you know, so building good. the thing, of, like uh, building that, and it's especially putting together a big video like that. It's hard to kind of like know, like you know, do people even care? Do people even understand what we're doing? Like, does anyone know who Checo is? Like, I like I have all these like worries about that, mm-hmm. and then you know if he's gonna like it and everything. But seeing the reaction to the video, seeing his reaction in person, literally seeing him get straight back on his helicopter with the wheel, I was just like, yes. We did it. That's so cool that he took it that like immediately. I know. Because <laughs> that's like him. Like what I like about that is he didn't even trust his team to get it for him, you know? I know. <laughs> it's not like just pack this up and I'll yeah, handle yeah. this later on. Because like like we cut out. So we were supposed to have 30 minutes with them. Obviously, time was super short. So we ended up having like a 15 minutes or so before they had to go yank him on to go shoot some more uh, of the commercial. But in some of the footage that didn't end up making it in the video, I show him how to take the PC apart because he was really, like, concerned about how he would, like, travel with it. Because he, he said, like, multiple times, like, he wants to, like, tell the team, make sure this is here. Like, I want to take it with me. And so I was showing him how, like, there's, like, a little acrylic piece and, like, the whole thing slides out. And he was, like, trying to figure out, like, which cables he had to disconnect and, like, pull it in. I was like, dude, <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so happy. He could have just been like, oh, cool, thanks. And just, like, walked away. But he was, like, super engaged, super interested in the whole thing. That's and so great. <sighs> that's one to remember man no that is one kidding that is not your average pc bill video right there that like that is one that's gonna that's gonna be a, a locked in memory for a long time 
This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. While you've been listening to this show, how would you know if your website had gone down? What if your customers couldn't click that buy button or fill out a new trial form? You could stumble across it by luck. Maybe someone sends you an email or a tweet, but that means you've already lost out on new customers or given them a bad experience. You need something to tell you that everything's running smoothly on your site, and more importantly, when it isn't. So you need Pingdom. Because Pingdom detects over 13 million outages every single month. That's more than 400,000 a day. For as low as $10 a month, Pingdom helps keep your sites online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You need real-time alerts for critical website issues, right? You want to know how to be alerted and tell them exactly what you need. Whether you want an SMS, an email to pop up in one of your team's collaboration apps like Slack or Yura, or like they have a push notifications from their app is fantastic. Pingdom even tracks and analyzes your website's load time so you can see what is affecting your user experiences. You can see what the bottlenecks are and try and fix them. If you have a website, you need Pingdom. Take charge of monitoring your site in minutes and go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code TESTDRIVERS at checkout and you'll get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for the support of this show and RelayFM. So you'd mentioned that you were uh, there for Forza uh, Forza Horizon 5 is now available. Uh, I spent a bit of time. Have you played any of the game yet? I have, yeah. So it was kind of... Uh, so we were working on this video well before the actual game came out. So we actually didn't get to test the game at all until literally like the day we got there. Right. So that was my first time playing it like in that trailer with the PC. Uh, I have since been able to play through through some of it. But yeah, it's good. It's really, really good. This game has one of the best opening sequences of any video game I have ever played. The opening, like, 20 minutes of that game is insane. Yep. Like, cars are coming out of airplanes, and (laughs) you're driving them, and you're jumping. Like, it's so smart because it's, like, the game is, like, delivering the cars to the... The the idea of the Horizon game is so weird. Like, I kind of love yeah. it because it doesn't make any logical sense, <laughs> which is great. And I know that's, like, they have... What is it? Forza Motorsport and Forza Horizon. Mm-hmm. And the Horizon yes. is basically a driving playground game where yeah. motorsport is like a simulator game right exactly um, yeah and so like uh, what i like is like horizon is like as close as you can get to something like need for speed without going to need for speed you know like it's 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 fun more than um serious but like you're just driving all these like it's like you know delivering these cars to the horizon festival and it's like you're getting to drive all these different cars in all these different ways and like planes are flying around your head and the music's blaring like it's really smart because you get to try out all of the different types of cars that are in the game but it also makes like logical sense for the story of the game as to why this would be happening yeah i Mm -hmm. think it's really good like i was like i had a blast playing the opening of this game like it sets it up so well and i also think in the age of game pass there is something to be said for the first 20 minutes of a game being really good yep because you may not care about forza or you may not care about driving games but you have game pass so you just try everything that comes out if they can make the first experience like really intense and really fun you may be more likely to continue playing and therefore be happier with your game pass subscription like there's something to be said for that i think 
but yeah, the game in general, like it does feel like there are more than even Horizon Four, like more like tailored moments in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I feel yeah. like even they're choosing specific songs for some races and stuff. Like yeah. that really seem to fit. Like th- this is gr- it's great, man. I'm having a great time with this game. Look, so I've been a big fan of the Forza series really since the Xbox One first came out. That was kind of really when I switched from being sort of more of a Gran Turismo fan to a Forza fan, mostly because they don't make Gran Turismo games very often anymore. It's hard to be but, a Gran Turismo fan, honestly, at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I think at this point, I feel pretty confident in saying, like, Forza is the racing series now. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like they have nailed it. Like, yeah. they're making great games frequently. Like it's they've they've done it you know it's kind of like when uh in in soccer games football games you know it was like fifa then pro evolution soccer became the king and now fifa's the king again like things just move back and forwards but it seems like like microsoft have really gotten this one down what is it playground games makes makes these but like they're they're the development studio yeah playground games makes the horizon games and then turn 10 makes the mainline uh, like simulator games so this is like how they make call of duty games right they're yeah, two yeah, teams. exactly. Yeah, yep. and they're making one every year or every two years, but they're actually making a game every four years, if that makes sense. Because exactly, yeah, and I think I mean I've been a fan of the Horizon game specifically. Horizon Two is probably the number one Forza game I've ever played. Like I've spent so much time in that, like the world and the the cars and everything. And then Five is kind of the one that's really. Oh, actually, to be fair, I spent a lot of time in the Hot Wheels expansion too on Three. That was fun. But Horizon Five, it's got such a like. Technically, it feels like it's probably one of the, outside of maybe Flight Simulator, one of the first real next-gen titles for yep. me. Yep. It looks fantastic. Yep. The car sounds, which is always a little bit of a weak point on the, the Forza games, the cars all sound terrific. Um, but you've got so much detail. You've got so many customization options. And, like, I've only spent, you know, a handful of hours. So I've really not uh-huh. dug in as much as I'd like. But, like, you can just tell that the world, there's so much to so do. Much there's to so do. much it's just huge and massive. And again, for me, I think it's always going to be very, very memorable because like, I literally played the game for the first time, did the video with Checo, stepped outside, and I was in like Mexico. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm in the game right now. Like all the colorful houses and all the crazy houses. Like, yeah, it's... you had a very unique but incredible <laughs> experience for Forza. Unfortunately, they can't give everybody that, but they've done a good job of making the game good to start anyway. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's been massively successful. Over 10 million players in a week. I was just seeing a tweet earlier. So in the first week, they hit 10 million. It took them something like months and years for the previous games. Like So Horizon 4 supposedly took nine months to hit 10 million players. And Forza Horizon 3 took two years to hit 10 million players. And the new game hit it in a week. Yeah, I mean, that, it's, that's fantastic. The practicalities of that are very different now. But Game it Pass. is still a, yes, but it is still Game Pass has PC games, but hey. it, it, it is still a notable statistic that there are 10 million people that want to play the game. Maybe 70% of them are Game Pass subscribers, but that's the whole point anyway, right? Yep. Microsoft's whole thing now is we make excellent games ourselves or buy companies that would do it for us and we put them on Game Pass. Why? So you give us money every single month. Like, that's the whole thing. And this is what I want to see. I have a Game Pass subscription. I haven't played a game on Game Pass for ages. 
I want lots of these types of games, right? And like now, like I'm like super happy because I love this game and I didn't have to pay 60 bucks for it is how I think of it in my brain, you know? Like I didn't have to do that. I already have it. It's free. Like it's not, (laughs) but that's how, that's the whole thing. And this is why like as we continue to move through the next five years, I think Microsoft are really laying an interesting foundation that nobody mm-hmm. can touch them on. Yep, I 100% agree. It's 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 such a good deal. But uh Mike, I was also uh, there's some other games uh I feel like we've been playing lately. Yeah. I think it's uh it's almost like the end of the year and there's a bunch of good stuff coming out. Yep. What have you been playing outside of Forza Horizon 5? So Animal the Animal Crossing DLC um which is it's like a it's an interesting thing to do in like a whole different type of game within the game, where it's much more like interior and like uh, decorating houses kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so me and my wife were big time into Animal Crossing during uh, nice. the first lockdowns. We loved it. And so when this came, I was like, all right, we'll get it. And we'll play it together. And I thought, like, my wife tends to play handheld, and I play on the TV. And mm-hmm. I was like, let's get you an OLED switch, right? Because very you, nice, you, right? You have the best experience. She bought the OLED switch. Two days later, I bought an OLED switch because <laughs> wow, okay, okay. The difference between the two is absolutely massive. Like in a way that I was not expecting. Like there were the three main features: the screen, the speakers, and the kickstand make a huge difference to playing the system. There is also yeah. a second thing. Going back to the Steam Deck I was talking about earlier. So I've been living my life a little bit differently and getting in better shape over the last few months. And it has significantly changed the RSI pains that I would get. Oh, good. I don't really have that kind of issue anymore. So I have been trying out playing handheld again, and it's actually a thing I could do not for super long time, Mm -hmm. but I can now play well, just in general, I can play games for way longer than I've been able to for years. Like, I can spend five hours playing video games and it's not an issue. And previously, that would screw me up for like four days at least. Like, I would get Whoa. pains in my wrists, my elbows, that kind of stuff. Um, and all I've been doing is I've just been uh, doing strength training. And so that's nice. been strengthening my upper body and it's it's been great for me. So if other people have that issue, it's a recommendation I'll give to you. Um, so yeah, now I was like, now I've been playing, uh, I've been playing it handheld in the OLED switch, which is a fantastic experience. Uh, so yeah, I really like the game and just in time for new Pokemon. So as we're recording today, the, was it shining diamond? No, shining pearl, brilliant diamond. What is it again? Wait, what is it? Actually, uh, brilliant, 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 brilliant shining diamond pearl. (laughs) One of those two. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So actually, (laughs) I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to do it. I did it last night. Shining Pearl. <laughs> so I pre-ordered uh, both the games as well as uh, the Arceus game uh, that's coming out next year. I pre-ordered that enough. That's the ago, one I'm really out. excited about. I'm really excited yeah. about Arceus. I'm not so excited about these ones. Yeah. So uh, I pre-ordered because I knew I was going to play it. And I have like a really fond sort of like... The first, you know, I love a lot all the Pokemon games, but like the first four generations, and I spent a ton of time in really the Diamond and Pearl generation. 
I really wanted to go back because I hadn't played like a lot of the earlier like Game Boy games and stuff. I had played multiple times throughout the years and whatnot. I never really replayed the fourth generation too much. So it I didn't been... either. I have no memory. And I know I've played them. I've played every Pokemon game, like every generation mm. I've played it. I have zero memory for Diamond <laughs> and Pearl, and I do not know why. Uh, I will definitely say I have like because that was the first generation where with the Wi-Fi battles I actually got serious like I would like sort of spend all the time breeding for good IVs trying to build big teams uh, like you know Wi-Fi battling and doing like online like that was a huge thing I remember I bought Pokemon Battle Revolution for the Wii just so I could have like the better 3D graphics with my team and stuff like look I was I was super into it so I pre-ordered the games, right? And last night, I got a call. Actually, yesterday, I got a call from GameStop saying, hey, we're actually doing a pre-order event. Uh, if you want to show up, 9 o'clock, you can come, prepay your game, and, and come pick it up. And at first, I was like, nah, it's okay. I'll just go get it, you know, whatever. But then I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, you know what? I want to actually go and see what happens because I haven't gone to like a, you know, 9 p.m. or like a midnight kind of launch for a game in a long time. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go pick it up, play it tonight. We'll see what happens. There were almost 50 people in line at just a completely regular GameStop to pick up the game last night. I was so surprised. Everyone was so amped. But I was just like, to be fair, I think Battlefield also was coming out, but everyone in that line was picking up Pokemon. Everyone. I could not believe how many people were there and how excited everyone was for the games. Have you actually gotten it? Or are you planning on playing I've, it? I've, I've pre-ordered it. Like, I pre-ordered it, and it's downloaded to my Switch. I am going to play it. So, I... The reviews have been a little mixed. I will say I played through maybe like a couple hours last night. It's good. I think it is a very basic remake of the original games. This is one I'm not this like so my issue is like I don't particularly want to go back to this style of Pokemon game. I feel like we've moved mm -hmm. on. Yeah. And yeah. also the art style they've chosen doesn't really work for me. <sighs> you know, it does have its moments. Look, I it's a very back to basics kind of thing. I haven't played it yet though, also. Like I haven't this is purely based on trailers. Um, so it's especially on the OLED switch. I actually think it looks pretty nice. To be fair, I always play on the switch light, but like even so, the there's like a nice depth of field. Like it almost, even though it has like the sort of like the chibi kind of art style, it yep. also uses a little bit of like a tilt shift effect where it very much feels like kind of like sort of everything is kind of like narrowly in focus and it falls off on the back and stuff. It's very sort of bright and colorful. I think if you have your expectations lowered to the point where you just want to play like the fourth gen with like some vaguely updated mechanics, unfortunately the experience share you can't turn off, which is annoying. Um, but also just, you kind of just want to play through the game. It is incredibly faithful. Like, like I said, the first couple of hours I've played, there's almost nothing different about the gameplay. There's a couple of very minor changes. I mean, I guarantee that like Pokemon, I think Pokemon can be pretty good at this. Like it, it, when they, they do remakes a lot and the remakes tend to be, pretty faithful to the original game yeah um, yeah i'm, I'm gonna try it and like i am going into it trying to be open-minded right it's just like i don't think this is for me but i might enjoy it anyway so i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a go yeah i think the big thing and again i've not played all the way through but it doesn't seem like there's any like sort of additional content like you can spend more time in the underground but i know for a lot of the other remakes they've added like you know whole you know islands and adventures and story elements and like there's generally a lot of extra stuff to kind of help you with the game you just kind of make it more fresh and it doesn't seem like they've really done that for these games so it is just a straight remake i mean even when they remade the first uh fire Red and leaf green they had like the whole sevy islands they had like all kinds of stuff in that game and just 
that's to me, if that's really the case, and I played through all the way the game, there's nothing they've really added. I'll be a little disappointed. But that being said, I have such fond memories. This is one of my favorite sort of regions and generations of Pokemon. And you know what? I, this, this, the art and everything, it's kind of getting to me. It's The music is all completely like there and slightly mm-hmm. remade. Even like the UI, like I keep looking at it. Like when you're like in a battle or something and like you like the little like your know, bottom bar shows up with your, your moves and everything. I keep looking at it and it keeps tripping me out because it's like the exact same like sort of like border and font and everything is on the DS, except it's widescreen. And something about everything being widescreen just keeps like tripping me out. I'm like, oh, this is not square. I'm, I'm supposed to be playing on a DS right now. It's like 15 years later and it's still like so embedded in me that it just feels slightly weird to have things widescreen. Oh my god. I love it though, man. I'm 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 looking at my switch light right now and like for lunch, I'm gonna sneak in a little a couple battles, a little play, right? Uh, that'll be fine. No one no one will notice. I'm gonna disappear for 20 minutes and go train my chimchar or something. 